Hello and welcome to Jaw Law. I'm your host, Joe McGregor, from the beautiful and lovely Dallas, Texas. We've got a, a quick podcast for you today. Something that keeps coming up the more and more associate agreements that I see. And that is the infamous promise to buy in. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to refer to this promise to buy in. And I'll explain what it means, uh, but we're going to refer to it as a purchase option. And there are two purchase options that we see most commonly in dentistry. One is the option to purchase real estate, and the other is the option to purchase into a practice. Even though most of the same principles apply, we're only going to talk about employment purchases today. Now, let me set this up for you. Most of the times where we're seeing this is an experienced associate. Usually not the first job, but it does happen on the first job. But a lot of times what we're seeing is someone has a job somewhere and someone else, uh, a mentor, a friend, a colleague, or just, just somebody else recruits that person, solicits that person to come over to work for them. And in that conversation, there is this promise that at some point in time in the future, you can be my partner. Now, there are two angles that I want to talk about. Number one is the non-legal aspect of this. Let me tell you that we see a lot of broken hearts over this subject. It is unfortunately not a hard thing for someone to say, yeah, you know what? You come work for me. Sure. I'll think about making you a partner. And what the associate who maybe wants to leave their job, what they hear is, hey, definitely I'm going to make you a 50-50 partner and your wildest dreams are going to come true. Now, I am not accusing those people handing out those promises of being deceitful or deceptive. What I am saying is that it is very easy to be deceptive, and it is also easier to allow the other person to hear what they want to hear and realize that correcting their understanding may come at a cost. Maybe you don't get that associate. Whatever the reason is, we see this not work out at a very high rate. This includes even in instances where they are old friends and, on occasion, family members. So you know if a dad's having a problem giving his son or daughter share of his business on the promise that he was going to give them a share of his business, you know that this is a problem for people who have absolutely no prior existing relationships. But let's talk about the legal side. It's important to understand that courts hate to write contracts. In fact, they are, for the most part, prohibited from doing so. Well, most commonly, when we see an associate contract that has a partnership buy-in option, what it says is to the effect of, if you still work here in two years, we promise to talk about you buying in. Sure, change some of the details like how long and what you get to buy into and, and things like that. But for the most part, that's essentially it. And what you need to know is that that in whatever form you see it in is not a legally enforceable promise. Good rule of thumb, if the provision is written in one or two sentences, it's going to be really tough to enforce it. So how do we get an enforceable right to purchase? Well, the law requires a couple of things. Number one, the law requires that something is given up. 
if you want it to be enforceable, you have to essentially pay for something. That is called consideration in the world of contracts, and that is what makes a contract enforceable, consideration. What it means is that you give something of value for a promise in return. In the case of an option contract, sometimes you will see people buy an option contract. I will give you $100 if I can buy part of your business during this next year. Now, this is where this gets a little state-specific. In many states, it is enough that the consideration be you leaving another job or you giving up higher wages that you could have otherwise received but for this promise to buy in. As an example, let's say you are at Office A and you are making 35% of collections. Office B recruits you over and says, if you come over, I'll let you buy in in one year. But during this year, you have to make 30% of collections. And so what you're saying is, hey, I will take 5% less of collections in consideration. I'm going to give you that 5% for the promise that I definitely can buy in into the practice in one year. Next thing that the law requires is a price. Now, this is the complicated one because a lot of times the practice hasn't been valued at the time. So there are numerous ways to address this, probably beyond the scope of this podcast, but suffice it to say, the law requires either a price or a way to figure out price. So if a contract just says, you can definitely buy 50% of my business in a year, and you take it to a court and says, hey, they reneged on this. The court doesn't know how much to charge the other party. So you either agree on a price, have a valuation, you can create language that describes how you're going to come upon a valuation in the future, although we always encourage you to settle this in the present tense. Either way, you need to have a price. If there is no price or a way to figure out price, you do not have an enforceable purchase option. Finally, we need to know when. When can you strike This option, strike is the technical legal word for it, or exercise this option. When can you exercise the option? So for instance, you may say you have to work here for one year, and then you will have one year to exercise this option. And if you think about it, if there's no delay in this period of time, it's really just an offer, this open-ended firm offer. What you also need is to know what you are buying. For instance, if your contract says, we're going to talk about you becoming a partner, well, what does that look like? Are you going to be a 1% partner, a 10% partner, a 50% partner? Again, the law doesn't doesn't want to tell you what you're going to buy. That needs to be scoped out in the agreement. Those are the things the law requires. There's also another dimension to this, and that is, what are those things that make it better? As an example, one of the areas where we see a lot of misunderstanding is, let's say they've done everything right. Hey, come work for me. I'm going to pay you 30%. I'm going to give you an option to buy 50% of my business in one year. And here is the price. I'm even going to be generous and value it today, the day you start, not in one year. And you go to your lawyer and you draw things up so that the associate can buy in. And the associate says, all right, I'm ready to be your 50-50 partner and start making some decisions because there are some people I want to fire. There's some new equipment I want to buy. I just have big plans for this place. And the owner says, whoa, 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 slow down. 
I'm going to make you 50-50 partner, but it has always been my understanding that I would continue to run the practice. I wanted to make you 50-50 partner to share in the economic spoils of this practice, but I'm the one with experience. I started this practice. I know how to run practices. And so this partnership is going to be drawn up by my lawyer to state that I am the manager. I make all the decisions. And those are the terms of this partnership. Well, now my friends, we have a legal dispute. And that's why we think it's a very good idea to map things like that out. Even though it might be a little awkward, it might be a little bold for an associate to say, hey, this thing that might not happen in the future, let's talk about it anyway and let's offer up some details. I may not even exercise this option, but I'd like to tell you how I'm going to share in the decision-making process once I do exercise it. So we get that. We get how awkward that may be. And a lot of times I would say that clients say, hey, I don't want to have that awkward conversation. So I will decline to improve this purchase option and just go with this vague promise that I know I cannot enforce in a court of law. And furthermore, if they do something like this, I didn't want to be their partner anyway. That makes total sense, actually. Our argument is that why don't you just have that conversation now so you know if you should waste the next year of your life. A lot of times our clients are moving across the country. They're leaving good jobs. They're making sacrifices for this next job because it comes with a promise. And then they get to a place where that promise doesn't get fulfilled. And then they call us and say, well, what can I do about this? Well, a lot of times the answer is nothing. There is nothing that can be done. Or to the extent something might be done, you're talking about an expensive and long-lasting legal battle to get into a practice that you actually don't want to be in. So there you go. That's your happy subject for the day. That's a problem that has been occurring since the very first dental employment agreement I ever read. It continues to this day. It hurts my heart a little bit when people get that bad news that they have been suckered, especially when they find out they've been suckered by their brother-in-law or their dad. It hurts. And so if you are going to move on to another practice and this is a material element to you moving, then you need to think about this. You need to listen to this podcast, make sure these elements are in there. And of course, consult with a competent attorney to make sure that it's all reflected properly. That's all we have today. Thank you. We'll see you next time.